0: i'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher are you ready let's dive in hello hello and welcome to episode number six where we will be talking about open-ended questions if you serve as students in upper elementary or maybe even middle or high school More than likely, answering open-ended questions is something that your students are required to do. Maybe it's in the general education classroom, standardized tests, that kind of thing. And they need plenty of practice, plenty of opportunities with answering open-ended questions. And when I say plenty of opportunities, plenty of practice, you know what I mean. That means it needs to be routine, something that you're doing on a regular basis. For me, at a minimum, it's once per week. But oftentimes, um, like in my reading intervention with the sentence dictation, I like to also squeeze it in with the sentence dictation with some of my older students who are practicing this. I like for them to have that opportunity where maybe I ask a question and then have them answer that in that, you know, where it says, Write a sentence that your teacher says or write the the sentence that your teacher has said out loud. I might ask a question and require them to restate and answer the question. But where do we start with this? How do we even do this? How do we get going with answering open-ended questions? So here's what I like to do. I like to give them steps. Step number one, we restate the question. Step number two, we answer the question step number three we're going to use some kind of sentence stem like the text says or according to the article things like that so that we can segue into supporting our answer with evidence from the text step four then we're actually going to insert the evidence from the text step five you're going to use another sentence stem to be able to say, you know, in paragraph four, or the text also said, and honestly, those sentence stems could be as few or as many as your students are ready for. And our last step is wrapping it all up, where then we restate what our answer was, whatever we said in the beginning, we kind of restate it again, find a new way to say this exact same thing, and then use the word because, and wrap it all up tight with a pretty bow in your explanation of why your answer was correct. So while I think those steps are helpful, that's not enough. I need to break down some of this, and I wanna share how I teach and kind of the slow and steady steps that I take to break down each of those steps, kind of breaking it down even further. So step number one is to restate the question. For a lot of us, especially I think as overachieving teachers, that's really easy to do. However, teaching students where words are hard, comprehension's hard, maybe the grammar and language side of things are hard, that takes a lot of practice. And so that's what we do in my classroom. I like to take the question, whatever that might be. It could be a very basic question like, What color was the dog's fur? Maybe it's a question that's a little deeper and requires students to use some of those reading skills, such as how was dad feeling? Or how was the boy feeling? What do you predict the boy will do? So it can be very simple. We can restate questions like that, or we can restate more complex and more complicated questions as well. Either way, I like to take that question, let's say, what color was the dog's fur? And I like to write each and every word on a different card. Maybe those are three by five cards. Oftentimes I take a piece of blank printer paper, I write the question in a marker and I chop it up into pieces. That is something I can do on the fly. That's something that I can quickly prep ahead of time and it's effective. So I will write that sentence On a piece of paper, cut it up, and then we talk about how to rearrange, how to steal those words from our question and put them into our answer, put them into the sentence. Because this is something that my kids need all the time. It's something that if you're not practicing it, they kind of forget it. I also like to create like some holiday stations or use this as an activity to do at holidays. So um, I'm recording this today. I know it won't air for a little bit. It's the beginning of November. And last week for Halloween, we did restating and answering the question stations in our room. So what we did with that, or kind of how that looked for us, was I went to the Dollar Tree and I bought really anything and everything I could find that was Halloween themed. I brought it into my room and created little questions about those objects. For example, I had um, different colored spiders. They were from the Dollar Tree, they were glittery. If you visited the Dollar Tree in the month of October, you probably saw them. I sat all those spiders all over the stool. Well, there was one purple spider that was the biggest, and I sat it on top of the stool. Some of the other spiders were climbing up it, sitting beside it. One was sitting next to the purple spider. But the question then said, where is the purple spider? I created those cards with the exact same question, where is the purple spider? And that way we can move those around. So if I had some of my lower level kids, they might have to do, you know, really move those, really use that as a tool. Some of my higher kids never touched the cards. Either way, they were there and it was a perfect chance for them to use them if they needed them. But if not, it was a good review as for restating and answering the question. So then they would answer, the spider is on the stool. Um, We had other things like, um, which do you like better, Whoppers or Milk Duds? So the kids would have to steal some of those words. I like Milk Duds better. I like Whoppers better. We also had questions that were about describing things. So there was a little plastic bat. It was glittery, kind of creepy. I know I just said it was glittery, but still creepy. And it had these gross little red eyes. And so the question was not actually even a question. It just said, describe the bat. So then the students could say, the bat is black. The bat has red eyes. The bat has long wings. And uh, the lady that I shared my room with, we were talking about doing the same at maybe Thanksgiving and Christmas. That way, it's just something that is a little different than our norm we're playing into it. Are they going to be crazy on Halloween? And Halloween this year was on a Monday. Yeah, they are. But how can we take some of that and channel it into something that is at least academic and practices something that many of our kids find difficult or is challenging. So you can have, you can twist anything to be academic if you try really hard. And with that, having them restate and answer the question is a very easy thing to incorporate. Now, all of that said, that's only step one of the answering open-ended questions part, being able to restate and then provide your answer. We talk a lot with this about some of these answers might come from your head, Some of these answers might come from the text, and those are two very different things. Some kids aren't ready for some of those inferential questions or prediction questions, that kind of thing. Give your students whatever they happen to be ready for. Once my students are doing okay with that, then we're ready to start proving whatever their answer is with evidence from the text. I like to front load them with different sentence stems. What are they going to use? So I have a little craftivity kind of thing that I do. It's fairly quick. It could go in an interactive notebook, but it's something that we reference all year long. I usually, um, this past year, I printed the, uh, the paper on cardstock and then laminated it. That way I could just keep it in my small group folders and pull it out as needed. And it had different sentence stems on it. So some of those might say, In paragraph blank, that'll wait later. They could say in paragraph two or in paragraph six. Another sentence stem was like on page, you know, 327. And then it also had more generic things like, for example, the text said, the author stated, even things like the illustration showed or the chart showed or the you know things like that where we can use some of those text features things that oftentimes our kids miss or forget or ignore or they think if it's not in words it's not valuable it is totally valuable as long as whenever it comes time to write it we know how to use that information and so by giving these students sentence stems that they can use as needed then they will be able to cite evidence from the text. And I think some of that kind of goes to what are you doing during the reading comprehension phase to set them up for this. Help them find some sentences, help them in a discussion, know kind of what answers would support it so that then when it's time to do this, they're ready to go provide evidence from the text. For most of our students, this phase takes a while. It takes a good little bit for them to kind of know what the expectation is. And I believe the best way to do it is to start with modeling. Do some things together. Show some of the kids what to do. And then once it's time, maybe two, three, four weeks of doing that, then when you turn them loose, make sure you give them feedback. Because a lot of students will choose random sentences that don't even prove what their answer is. And when they hear it said by their teacher, well, does this prove that he was happy? They're like, well, no. Well, then why did you say the text said or the author said or according to whatever? While it is pretty easy to take a sentence stem and pair it with a piece of evidence, it's not that simple. You really do have to make sure that that evidence or that sentence actually matches your answer so it's a process and so make sure you kind of allow yourself time so that it's not two weeks before your kids start standardized tests and you're like holy crap we're gonna have to you know answer open-ended questions we should probably start working on that it's too late you've got to be doing that all year long and even one question two questions a week in my mind is plenty for giving them that opportunity to practice restating, answering, and then proving their answer. I have a lot of students with goals that are focused on answering open-ended questions. The complexity or what I am wanting them to do might vary, but I do have some of my higher readers where this is a goal for them. They oftentimes might start with, by the end of the IEP year, When given a, and we might discuss what kind of reading passage. Is it something that we've read together? Is it something that they've read on their own? And then also discussing what kind of question they might have. Is it a basic recall question? Is it something that's going to require them to use some of those deeper level reading skills that we know can be more troubling? So I might give a goal that says by the end of the IEP year, When given an open-ended question about a passage read in our small group, Amanda will be able to independently restate and answer the question. Or maybe I want to change up that last part and say, Amanda will be able to independently restate and answer the question and provide one piece of evidence to support her answer. Maybe I want two pieces of evidence to support that answer. That will vary based on your kids. What are they able to do? What reading passages are they reading? Um, One time I wrote a goal saying two pieces of evidence. And one particular week as I'm going to progress monitor, I'm like, ugh, there aren't even two good sentences to support this. And the reason for that is we were reading a lower level passage and I'm like, well, this is terrible. There's not really enough evidence here. And so because of that, there might be some scenarios where two pieces of evidence, that's just not going to fly. So you know your kids, you know what they're reading, define all of that in your goal. And then for me, what I do when it comes time to progress monitor that is I have a rubric or a little checklist that I give to my students and we grade it together. So we might say, did you restate the question? Check. Did you give your answer? Check. Did you use the text said? Check. Did you give an answer? Did you provide some evidence that actually supports your answer? Check. And so with that, each one of those checks is a point. So then I'm able to, for progress monitoring purposes, go in and say, maybe initially their first score was a one. Maybe they could restate it, but there was no real answer there, or it wasn't really one that made sense. Maybe they couldn't support it with evidence. So I might give them a one. And then maybe our goal is to be able to score four points on that. Being able to restate, answer the question, use a phrase or a sentence stem like the text says, and then provide some evidence. Maybe it wants to, I need it out of six points, because I'm going to need them to repeat a sentence stem and then provide a second piece of evidence. All of those things can then be graded on like a one point basis so that I have a starting and an ending mark and my kids can grade it themselves. And then I I always check that, but that's also a way for them to make sure that they've included everything that they're required to do. And as always, because it's something that we're doing regularly, It's very easy to progress monitor because that goal is written in a way where it is something that we've read together. I don't have to find time to squeeze in a separate passage for them to read independently, answer the question. Now you could certainly do that. Totally you could do that if that fits with your routine and if that fits with your schedule and your students. But for me, it's just something that we're doing regularly so I can just throw it in And really, I could have data points every week, maybe one or two, depending on the reading level that those students are working in. Next week's episode is all about incorporating writing into your resource room. To me, that is tricky. It's a hard skill for a lot of our kids, even some of our most creative, or even some of our students who are able to spell, sometimes getting ideas from their head on paper can be tricky. So that's what we'll be talking about next week. So until then, have a great week, my friend. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.